I'm Dave Price, and this is the Teachers Unify podcast. On this episode, we're going to hear Amy Stevens' story as a school shooting survivor from Oxford High School in Oxford, Michigan. So thank you for joining us, Amy. Thank you for having me. And just a little background for everyone. I have known Amy for maybe six weeks at this point, like not very long at all. Um, Because unfortunately, Amy is the among the class of the newest uh, inductees into the Gun Violence Survivor Club, which I say is the shittiest club in America. So I wish that we didn't know each other, but I'm very glad that we do because as we'll get into, um, you know, throughout the show, your strength and your bravery and your dedication to your students and, you know, all of that is so inspiring. So before we get into the heavy stuff, Mm -hmm. I would like to start with things that are a little bit lighter. So tell me about you, your family, where you grew up, your childhood, all of that. Um, I grew up in Escanaba, Michigan, which is in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And so I'm a youper. That's what we call ourselves when we live above the bridge. Um, Now I'm a troll because I live below the bridge in Oxford. Um, (laughs) I have one, I have one brother and, um, my parents, they still all live in Escanaba. My brother and his family are there as well. And I have twin nephews that are eight and a, nie- a niece that is um, 13 months old. So we try to get up to the UP as much as we can whenever we have a chance to, to visit. My parents live on a river, so it's almost, it's like going on vacation when you go up there. It's great. Oh, that's so um, cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I um, am married. My husband, Dan, is a principal in a neighboring school district. And I have two daughters. Um, our daughter Maddie is a senior this year at Oxford High School, and our youngest Bailey is a freshman at Oxford. And um, we love to travel. We love the beach. Um, we'd much rather be in Florida right now than here. I don't know um, about that. It's yeah, crazy right down here. <laughs> <laughs> the weather's better, but it's kind of crazy. Sure. Um, how long have you been married? I've been married for twenty years. Yep, just over twenty okay. years. And my husband and I actually met at a school we were both teaching at on the west side of our state. Um, he was teaching PE and health, and I was teaching Spanish. I teach Spanish. And um, I literally, I was at the high school, he was at the middle school, and I literally walked across the parking lot to the middle school. I had fifth grade Spanish kids, and just, he was the gym teacher. So I talked to him, and the rest is kind of history. So, uh, and then we moved over to this side of the state. He had family here in Oxford, and he just really, it's a nice area. Uh, it's probably one of the wealthiest counties in our state too, as well. Um, just has a lot of good opportunities for kids. So we knew that we wanted to be over in this area and eventually when we had a family and stuff. So that's what kind of brought us to Oxford. I know it's outside of Detroit, but is it like suburban or is it more rural? It's Oxford's kind of funny because it's almost a middle of rural and suburb. <laughs> it's a suburb. I mean, okay. we're not, anywhere. I mean, we, we're near Detroit, but we're not Detroit. I mean, right. um, you know, 
it's probably like 35 or 40 miles, but I mean, we're not anything like Detroit. A lot of people would say we're kind of farm country. There are still a lot of horse farms and things out here. Um, there's a lot of bigger subdivisions and stuff. Now, I think when we first moved here 23 years ago, it was fairly small. Our high school might've had 900 kids. We've doubled in size since then. Um, wow. A lot of people get, you know, pardon the expression, but more bane for your buck coming out here than staying in some of the ritzier suburbs in Oakland County. So it's kind of grown quite a bit, a lot of new families and stuff to our area in the last, I'd say five to 10 years. So Amy, is Oxford the only high school in your town? Yes, it is. And we have about 1800 students, probably about 95-ish maybe teachers. And then of course, okay. parapros and counselors and all that as well. But yes, we're the only high school. Okay. And just for context, my school is twice as large as yours. We are like right. packed to the mm -hmm. gills. We are at about 3,700 kids. Yeah. So basically there's a million people. Yeah, on that's my a lot of kids. It's, it's a lot. It is right. definitely a lot. Um, okay. So changing gears, um, switching gears. I think that's the same, not changing gears. Um, so tell me about where you went to college, what your college experience was like, um, you know, what made you want to become a teacher? I went to Central Michigan University, which is in Mount Pleasant. It's kind of like smacking in Michigan. We always use our hand to show where we're from. So like the middle of my palm would kind of be where Central's at. And, um, um, my best friends from high school went there too. So we kind of all went down there together. Three of the four of us became teachers. I think I'd wanted to be a teacher since I was second grade. I've always loved school. I played school with the neighbor kids. I had the neighbor boys be my students and I wrote, you know, made them report cards and got a chalkboard. And I mean, I just always wanted to be a teacher. I loved Spanish in high school. I loved my senora that I had for a teacher. She just made everything fun. I was able to travel to Mexico with her after my junior year of high oh, wow. school, just for, you know, a trip. With, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, and so I knew I wanted to go and do something with Spanish and I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I really thought I was going to be more of an elementary teacher. And I went and met with a professor one day at Central and he's like, oh, you have such a calm, you know, soft voice. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing elementary. So that helped. <laughs> but um, I just I just always loved it. Um, so I have a Spanish major and an English minor. Um, unfortunately, I've never traveled abroad I mean, as far as to study spirits. abroad at least. Because I'm an English teacher. I knew it. I was... <laughs> um, but so I kind of regret that I didn't travel or, you know, do a semester abroad because, you know, obviously it would have been so much better having all that experience. I just, you know, my family, I had to work to pay for college and I didn't want to leave college with loans. So I just didn't want to put more money into it at the time. And I just kind of wanted to be done. Um, a student taught at a very small school outside of Big Rapids on the west side of uh, lower Michigan. And um, I guess I was probably the typical college student. I love, I love sports. I love, went to every football game. Our football team made one of the bowl games out in Vegas. My roommates and, all, and I all went to that. And, um, you know, just typical college student. Mount Pleasant Central is kind of a small area too, maybe 17,000 students or so. Um, so not like, you know, crazy big area, but... Uh, close enough to home, but far enough from home. I was probably about four and a half hours from my hometown. So, and I had part of my hometown with me because my best friends were all there too. So that's so great. Nice. And 
This is fun. my 20th year of teaching. I know you've been teaching a little bit longer than me, but how many years for yeah. you? This is my 26th and my 23rd okay. at Oxford. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So this is my yeah. 20th, so but it's only have... my eighth at Douglas. Okay. Yeah. So technically in Michigan, you need 25 years to be able to retire. So of course, when I first started teaching, I figured I'd already be retired by now. Um, but <laughs> that's not the case because my kids are younger. So, um, so my goal really before all this happened was to see my freshman out the door. She's doing our early college program, which requires okay. her to go one more year. Um, so I figured I'd have four more years after this. And now I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I'll kind of reevaluate, I think, at the end of the year and each year as it goes, maybe. So for us, um, we can retire either after 30 years or at age 52, which for me will be the okay. same thing. So because I'll be 42 in May. Um, so okay. I will have to like work back the time I was out for maternity leave. So like, I guess technically I okay. would, I would be able to retire, um, when I'm 53, but I don't know. It just mm -hmm. seems so young. Like, what am I going to do with myself? So I think I'll be teaching, you know, 10 so years after I'm dead. Yeah. I probably should That's... correct that. I need, we could, um, years ago we could buy five years. And I bought five years. So technically I have 30 in. So really you do need 30. So okay. technically I have, because I was able to buy five years towards retirement. So, yeah. That's great. I don't know if that's an yeah. option here. We don't do that I anymore here, that. but yeah, it's not an option here anymore either. So <laughs> right. I'm old. I mean, so there, I'm on it. <laughs> there are days I'd love to be uh, on the way out for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep, so too. this this next part is going to be a little heavy. So we can stop whenever you want to stop and you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to talk about. Um, okay. But I would like just to give the listeners some context of who you are and how we met and why you're on our podcast. Can you tell me about what that day was like for you? Sure. Um, you know, it was a normal Tuesday. Got to school. We actually had some very light snow that day. Um, kind of bummed that we didn't have a snow day because it kind of looked like maybe it was a possibility. Um, you know, it was just a normal day. Just a typical Tuesday. I went through my first three hours. My fourth hour, we have a split lunch. We go to lunch, we come back and finish the hour had just said goodbye to those kids. My colleague that's next door to me, my friend and I were standing out in the hall like we always do between classes. We saw a group of kids halfway down our hall, just all kind of congregating. And they were looking back and we thought there must be a fight. I said, you know, we both looked at each other like, you know, we better, it looks like there's a fight or something. When we started walking that way and the kids were coming towards us and one of the boys said, somebody said there's a shooter. And I just looked at them and we're all masked in Michigan. We have a mask mandate in our county. And, you know, so you're looking when you're looking at kids, you're looking them right in the eye. And I'm like, I go, there's not a shooter. What are you talking about? You know, I, I was like, what is, you know, it didn't make any sense. And he goes, no, there's a shooter. Somebody said there's a shooter. And I could see the fear in his face. And I just looked at the kid and I go, run, run. And like, as soon as they started running, our principal came on and 
initiated an Alice lockdown. Um, we've all been trained in Alice training, so we've had that experience and know what to do. And I always keep my door locked anyway in case of something crazy like this happening. So I double checked to make sure my door was locked, got in the room. We have something called a night guard, which we put in at the bottom of our door that keeps it even more secure. And um, I, you know, I told the kids where to go in the classroom. We just kind of went to the front of the room and huddled and or off to the side. And one of the kids right away was like the night guard. And I grabbed the night guard and put it in. And like in my head, I went, should I barricade the door? Should I be moving desks? And I thought, I don't know what's going on. And we've always been told that we'll be informed. And if we, you know, that they would tell us what's going on somewhat. So we had, a, we could make a decision and decide what to do. And I remember getting down on the floor next to the kids. I have a table in the front. So I was kind of under it. I crawled over to my desk and grabbed my seating chart. If I didn't see a kid, I just whispered their name and, you know, instead of so-and-so here and they popped their head forward. Um, I told the kids to be as quiet as possible. Um, please don't be on the phone that we have a communication system. I'd let them know what's going on. And I texted my husband right away. I told him that we were under a lockdown and that it was real and I didn't know what was going on. I texted both my girls, um, told them that I love them, that please listen to your teacher, do whatever they ask you to do. Um, and then sat in silence. It was eerily quiet. We couldn't hear anything in our part of the building, which I think made it worse. It felt like the minutes were hours. Uh, I didn't have any sense of time frame that day whatsoever. Um, I had a girl next to me that was on the phone and I just like remember saying to her, you know, please get off the phone. And, you know, we can't be on the phone when we're doing this because they might be trying to get information in. Um, but I, I told my kids, I looked at them and I said, I promise you, I will tell you everything that I know. And I wasn't getting any information. My daughter, who's a senior, texted me and, um, you know, she kept saying, Mom, there's a shooting. People in my class are dead. There's bed, bed bodies, dead bodies everywhere. There's blood everywhere. And I was, you know, and the teacher in me went right to, please don't say that. We don't know. Don't be starting any rumors. And like, I, like, it didn't even really connect to me so much even there with the kids running in the hall saying there's a shooter. And then my daughter saying that her friend was texting her this. I, cause it doesn't happen in Oxford. It didn't make sense to me. Um, finally we got another, another message on our over on our PA system that said, please stay in lockdown. And then we heard the sirens and there were lots and lots of sirens. And then I knew it was bad. And the kids next to me were kind of, crying really softly. The kids were amazing. They were super quiet. They were calm. They listened to everything I said. Um, and I was texting frantically. You know, I texted my husband. I'm like, we're still in lockdown. I can hear the sirens. I'm getting scared and nervous. Um, it's bad. And then it literally just felt like we sat there for forever. Um, finally, they came on and said, a sheriff deputy will be coming to your door and you know to let you let you out so we waited and again i just i didn't have any kind of time frame it really felt like an eternity um somebody came and banged at our door and i like looked at the kids and i just said i don't how do i know if it's a sheriff deputy 
Like, I mean, I didn't know. And so I kind of like tiptoed. I have a rather not super large, but rectangular window in my door and I could kind of see out and um, I saw like a brown uniform. So I knew it was the sheriff deputy. So I went up there and um, my hands were shaking. I was trying to get the night guard out because they can't get in with the night guard in. And um, you know, I barely cracked the door open and he just looked at me and he goes, we're going to go. And I asked him, I'm like, are you sure it's safe to go? And he goes, yeah, we're going to go. And I'm like, okay. And I just turned to the kids and I said, we're going to go. Let's go quick, quick. And then, um, and then basically we just, I mean, there was a SWAT team standing out beside him. Um, another deputy came in my room with a flashlight, was checking under all my desks to see if, you know, there was anybody, anything else there. And as we went down the hall and towards the front of our building, so we're not super far from an, you know, an entryway or an exit in this case. And, you know, there were just police with huge guns lined up on both sides of the hallway. And I saw my assistant principal at the end of the hallway and I literally just went, I literally just said, what the fuck is going on? And she just looked at me and said, just go, keep walking, go, go. And like told me to go to where our evacuation site was. And, um, you know, we came out and there were kids like lined up like it was a fire drill. And my one friend and I were like, you know, go, keep walking. Like it was just, I don't know, the walk, we have a grocery store that we've evacuated to that's probably like a half a mile or a little bit more maybe from our school. And um, like I'm walking there and I just am thinking to myself, this doesn't, like this can't be happening. This doesn't happen here. It, it makes no sense to me. How am I living like this? How am I living through this? And at the same time, I had had communication with my kids and I texted my husband. I'm like, we're walking to our, to Meyer, our grocery store. And, um, he just said, keep in contact with both kids. Let me know what's going on. And I heard from my oldest daughter. I knew she was out of the building and they were walking, but it, it took like a long time to hear from my youngest and my youngest has a lot of anxiety. So that was kind of really freaking me out. And um, finally, you know, I actually a neighbor texted me and said, I, you know, I've already talked to her. She's on her way. She's with her teacher. So it was just a surreal scene to see all these parents waiting and looking for their child. They looked terrified. We were terrified because at that point we really didn't know yet what had happened. My phone was just blown up with text messages and messages and you know, and then like one of my best friends texted me and said, you know, there's three people dead. And like, it just like, I, it was just incomprehensible. I, it made no sense to me. Like even, I mean, we still really didn't know what was going on and it was just awful. I mean, it doesn't make sense to happen anywhere, let alone in Oxford. Like we're a small community. Nothing happens here. So it's just, it's still surreal. And it, I feel like I was probably in shock for, for weeks. It does, it, it even still doesn't feel real. Even going back to school, it, it doesn't feel real at all. That was a you know, pretty powerful, that statement. Um, but as bad as that was, then I assume there was an interim period where uh, you and your students didn't meet. And I was wondering if you could mm -hmm. tell people a little bit how, you know, how long that was and what happened in that period, how you felt, how they felt, did you stay in contact? So we're talking we about the, a, the period when you're out of school. Go ahead. Correct. We had a 
lot of damage to our building. Um, and we are a one floor building. We're probably one of the largest um, single floor buildings in the whole state. And a lot of our academic wing was damaged from the shooting. And, um, you know, like I know in other schools, I know like at Sarah's school, they went back fairly quickly. We didn't have that luxury. We also live in Michigan, so we have some stuff dealing with weather. And just with all the COVID things and with all the, you know, delay and getting doors and construction and whatever, uh, we had the governor actually came to our school to address this as well and was trying to help us with supply chain demand, things like that, so that we could get going. And we also had the holidays land in the middle of all this. So it was awful. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm not going to lie, like, you know, nobody wanted to celebrate Christmas. We lost four kids. Um, it was awful. And with having the holidays in the middle, it prolonged it a little bit more. We just didn't have the opportunity to get back in our building as soon as we would have liked to. We were fortunate to use our middle school for two weeks of two days, two half days each. Um, so we spent four half days at our middle school, and then our middle school students were online those days, which was nice but also a little bit scary in a way too um our middle school was our high school years ago when i first started at oxford so i was familiar i'm familiar with the building my kids also went to middle school there so i know the building but a lot of our staff doesn't um, so i had a lot of concerns for a lot of our younger staff that have never been in that building you know you took us and we felt safe in our high school and now you're putting us in middle school where a lot of us don't know that building um, but the, I mean, you know, we had tons of safety precautions. I was, I felt very safe when I was there, but it was just all these things run through your head of, you know, we just went through this and now I'm going to a building. I don't know. I don't know where the bathrooms are. I don't know. There's, it's two levels there. So now we're dealing with stairs. We haven't had to deal with that before. A lot of us, um, our shooting happened during passing time. We were in between fourth and fifth hour. Um, passing time was a concern. We didn't want to hear bells going off. So we had all those little kind of things. Um, the one thing that was nice about it is a lot of our kids, you know, went to our middle school. So they're familiar with the building. They had good memories in a lot of those classrooms. I had a, another Spanish teacher's classroom that I was in, and a lot of the kids came in, oh, this was my Spanish class when I was in sixth grade or seventh grade. And so they had those little connections, which for them, I think it, it made it easier for me too, I think because they made me feel comfortable then too. Um, but it was hard. We didn't know how many kids were going to come back. You know, um, it's really brave. A lot of them saw a lot of things that they never should see or hear. And so it was tough. We really didn't know how many kids would come show up. Uh, we had, I think, about 88 or 89% attendance that first half day back. And we were ecstatic that that many kids showed up. Um, our academics have kind of been lost and on pause right now. Just we are at an end of a semester as well. So there's not really a whole lot of academic stuff right now, which I personally agree with that we shouldn't be worrying about academics right now. Uh, we should really just be loving on our kids and, you know, giving them what they need, whether it's some counseling or just a place to be and to talk. So, um, so we just spent four days in our middle school over a two week period and then we just went back to school yesterday in our home building. Wow. Um, so I have to ask there, of course, um, you know, I, I know that some things were done. Obviously, they fixed it up and mm -hmm. made it that. Mm -hmm. But that's still a, 
okay, I'll do it this way. For me, mm -hmm. that's a site of a tragedy, but I wasn't there. Okay. Right. For mm -hmm. you and all your students, um, mm -hmm. and I think this is forgotten sometimes, for all the parents in Oxford or anywhere else who sent their children off to school, never imagining that this could happen. Mm -hmm. uh, even though many of us have said it can happen, at, it, it's one thing to say it can happen at any time, and that alone is America's sin. If, if you want to be right, if anyone wants to be religious about it, yes, I'm talking about sin that way, or I'm talking about right. just the sin that we don't do anything about it. But you, right. that's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but it's, I don't, but you, you and your students had to go back in. Could you just describe mm -hmm. what that was like uh, for our listeners? Uh, and uh, yes, it, today is, uh, what's today, Tuesday? Yep, yeah, Tuesday. So, and you went in, just went in yesterday. So, Yesterday. wow. Mm -hmm. So these are just really, I mean, really fresh. Yeah. And again, if it's, you know, at any point, um, just say what you can in terms of feelings. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it was intense. You know, last week we had open houses at our building and the district did a an amazing, first they did, the construction crew was amazing. They did an amazing job. Um, the colors look very nice. The scheme is very nice. It looks calming colors i don't know how to describe it our colors are blue and gold kind of a darker blue and it's just there's very light bluish gray in the building it's just a very nice it's very nice and we they redid the whole academic area even the areas that didn't have any damage so the whole building got like a i guess facelift a little bit um they did a great job our construction i have to give them a huge shout out because they worked non-stop they took christmas day and new year's day off and that was it we were out they had about seven weeks is all to do all that. And um, it does, the building looks amazing. Uh, we had a lot of open houses. We had them um, just for staff and their own families one night so that we could come in. And I had already been around the building because I went in that um, the day before and brought a bunch of stuff up to my classroom, got my classroom reorganized and stuff. And, uh, you know, it was hard. My kids have really struggled with do they really want to go back to school there can they really do academics and focus there i don't know if i can focus there i mean it's, it's been two days i don't know um you know it was hard um both my kids knew well my oldest daughter knew all of our kids that we lost and my youngest knew one of them and you know it's it's just it's it's hard because you know course our kids you know have an idea of where different things happen in the building and it's hard to walk by those areas and know um you know so that has been a struggle um it's been intense i know i went to one of the open houses that were for the parents and kids i have mainly ninth and tenth graders so i went that evening and it was good to see the kids it was good to see parents i think a lot of the parents didn't quite realize where certain things were. They've never, there was no reason for our parents to really be in our academic area. Um, other than when we have an open house for curriculum night, which thanks to COVID we haven't had in a couple of years. So a lot of them hadn't been in that part of the building. And so I think for some of them just to see where th things happened and to realize how close their child was to what had happened to the incident um, was hard. Um, and then I had a couple of parents come in that I had their kid during that fifth hour and, you know, they wanted to see, can you show me the night lock that you put in the door? Can you show me where the kids were? Um, you know, thank you for keeping them safe. And, you know, I don't really feel like I did much. I just did my job. I would never want anything to happen to any of those kids. 
but it's been tough. And then um, going into school yesterday, I, I like Sunday night, I started to panic a little bit. I'm like, I don't know how we're doing this. And as I drove in, we get, we're kind of a little bit up on a hill and we get some beautiful sunrises and it was kind of purplishly blue. And as soon as I got around the corner and saw the high school, we have a big performing arts center in the front that's kind of lit up. And I started to like tear up and I'm just like, I don't know if I can do this. And I just took a couple deep breaths and I'm like, I have to, um, I need those kids more than they probably need me. And I have my own two kids there and I want to be there for them. So, um, it was okay. We did a late start. Our kids didn't come in till 1020. So we had the morning to kind of sit together as a staff, have breakfast and kind of get ready for the day. And you know what? It was a good day. I won't say it was great. <laughs> um, it was so good to be back in our home. And I felt like we were reclaiming our building because um, it is, it's our home. I mean, it's my second home. I'm there more than I am at home, you know, during the school year. And it was just good to see kids. We only saw, we have seven period day. We saw um, four of our classes yesterday and the rest today. So um, it was good. Like we all felt it was like a pretty good day. You know, there was a lot of therapy dogs. The dogs are amazing. A lot of clinicians around, a lot of adults, a lot of security, um, sheriff deputies, um, you know, so that was really good. And then, you know, I kind of felt, oh, we got one day under our belt and that was good. And then, um, like I knew today was going to be tough because today's the hour we saw of they were with us when it happened. And we've already seen them at the middle school a couple of times, but, you know, to be back in our room and I changed up my room just a little bit, nothing too crazy. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just a different feeling because our life was normal before that happened. You know, it was like the last little bit of normalcy we had. And then, of course, our life has changed dramatically since then. So um, it's been okay. Today was, you know, I had a couple of kids have it really hard. Um, and, I, and I know it's not going to get easier. <laughs> I mean, I only think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think just getting back into routine is helpful, at least for me. Um, we start a new semester next week, so hopefully that gives everybody kind of a fresh start too and, um, you know, start easing back into academics. But really, we're really fo focusing a lot on social-emotional learning and just, I'm, I think, just being there for the kids. And honestly, I think I'll speak for myself and a lot of my colleagues. We're getting a lot from them. Like, they're giving me strength to move on. And I think it was a big step forward for us. And, you know, we got a long way to go, but, um, I'm not a quitter, so <laughs> there's no way I'm going to quit on them. So, um, I'll be there and we'll just take this one day at a time. Put on the, I'm going to ask you a fair question, the future, just the future mm -hmm. of the emotional, psychological future, not the educational yeah. future of the school. Right. Uh, how do you see it going and uh, what are your hopes? Well, my biggest hope is that kids know it's okay to not be okay. You know, we keep saying that. And I think I, I talked to a girl today who honestly hasn't, you know, really talked to me a lot. I didn't really have a huge connection with her, which is sad to say. And today she just kind of really unloaded to me and, you know, shared what she's feeling and what she you know, and it, it, it meant a lot to me because she's really struggling and she, I felt like she trusted me enough to talk to me about it. And I just hope kids know that it, like, I, I worry about boys in particular, not to sound sexist, but I worry that 
so many of our boys don't feel like it's okay to show emotions. And I know some of them are hurting and I, they've lost friends and, and we had, you know, six victims, seven victims, other victims that were also injured that were shot. And so I know they're hurting, but they just have a different way maybe of showing it. <laughs> or I think they're, you know, maybe don't say a whole lot at home. And I just hope they know that it, we're trying to create a safe place that they can show their emotions or they can ask for help. And, you know, my own children, we, you know, I have my Oxford Strong t-shirt on as we're doing this. And I kind of never really liked that expression either. My own kids struggle with it because we think of strong as a big burly person or Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. And, you know, and I think being strong is more about asking for help and helping one another. And our community has really been amazing with that. I mean, people have stepped on, not even just, mon you know, monetarily, but the stuff that they're doing is stepping up for the kids and for the teachers has just been, you know, it's been amazing. Um, and I honestly think that's what Oxford Strong's about. I don't think it's, you know, hiding emotions and being brave and putting on this face like it's going to be okay. And, you know, I even catch myself the last couple of weeks when I hug kids, I just say, oh, we're going to be okay. And part of me stops and goes, what the hell am I saying to myself? Like, I, why am I saying that? I don't know if we're going to be okay. And I think, you know, I kind of remind myself too, it's okay to not know and it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not ask for help. And I really think that, you know, some kids school is their safe place. You know, I really worried about some kids being out of school that long. Like, what are they doing? Are they eating lunch? Are they eating breakfast? Are they, you know, or is somebody at home with them or, um, I guess I just really, we have tons of, you know, people available to help. And I just hope that kids t take that help. And so far they seem like they are, um, again, it's been, we just finished day two, so it's kind of hard to, you know, um, I just hope they ask for help and know it's okay to ask for help. Thanks for listening. Tune in every week for a new episode. Remember, you can find our podcast on teachersunify.transistor.fm or on Amazon, Apple, Google, and Spotify. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TeachersUnifyPC and online at teachersunify.org.